Interesting. Um, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. I know it's been a little while. I uh, got super hectic during the season, so I apologize for everybody that was waiting for a podcast to come out. Um, but super excited to do this one. Uh, before we get heavy into it, um, well, one, you can follow Apex Vaulting Long Island on Instagram now. Um, which is what this episode is going to be about. Uh, also, you can follow us at The Real Apex Vaulting on Instagram and just Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. And please, if you enjoy this, subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to our YouTube channel and, and leave a comment and share it. Share it with your friends. We'd love to get this to be more and more popular to provide more content for you guys. Um, with that being said... I'm here with Brad and Toby. Um, they're the happy owners and coaches at Apex Vaulting Long Island. It's our second franchise location. Uh, I can't be more excited for you guys. Like it was such an exciting moment. Um, and to be fair, I, I'm sure I talked about this with you, uh, Toby, but I remember I almost like tried to talk Brad out of this uh, <laughs> at first. Because I just, whenever I, I help somebody, I want to make sure everything works. So I was, I, even me, I get a little bit nervous. Um, what, you know, what got you guys to this point? Why did you guys want to open up a pole vaulting club, I guess, to start with? And then we can even go on to like, what made you guys do the apex thing? So, so heck, I, this has been in the works for my personal life goals for, for damn near 10 years. I mean, I grew up in the club system, loved pole vault, obviously, and went through university and did it. Um, and how do you remain in the sport? Uh, it's something that I love. All right. So it's been in the works for a while. And at one point at training one day, mm-hmm. he has been my coach the past four or five years now. Um, you know, Bronco was going wow. off. Wait, of, it's really been that long? I guess so. Like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, you know, Bronco's going off. I want to go to, I want to go to Reno and I want to stand up and be a, a guest speaker and I want to talk to all those professional pole vaulters. How much money did you actually make on pole vault this year? How much? And I was like, well, well, yeah, I can count on one hand the amount of times, A, I've jumped in a competition with prize money and B, how much time I've actually won that prize money. And so I think going home, I think I texted you later at night and I was like, you know, real talk, how, how much do you think Polvo Long Island or Apex Long Island would get off the ground? You were like, less than 30 grand. I was like, I've got less than 30 I, grand. I, <laughs> I, I remember that, that text message. Yeah, and I mean, to go off of what you're saying, I, I, I want everybody to understand. It's like, listen, I love all Polvo people and I want everybody to be happy. But yeah, I think sometimes like when we talk about the Polvo industry or where we're at, people jump the gun. Like people are talking about shoes sponsorships and we need to be on TV we need to get this off the ground. And I think the, the number one thing that I always think about, and it's like, if someone really loves pole vaulting and they want this to be a part of their life, then starting a club is where it's at. That's where one, you're going to be around the sport. You can actually build your own business and make money and be a professional pole vault person. You're not a professional pole vaulter per se, but like you, you are a professional at this event. And I think that's what it needs. Like all those other things that we all want, like a, a Super Bowl for pole vault or, you know, whatever. It's like, we need these steps of like growing the sport so that eventually it does get to a point where like Nike signs someone some crazy deal. You know what I mean? But we need to help make it more popular and people need more access. There's just not enough, not enough pole vaulting clubs. I, I mean, I think you guys are a perfect example. I mean, like Toby, I mean, you grew up in Long Island, like, I mean, in your head, like where, like when you were in high school, where could people vault? Like what? I jumped at my high school and my father was my coach. So I probably couldn't tell you there was probably a couple of spots, but 
I think a lot of people went to some of the private schools, mm-hmm. um, but they closed that for for public school kids or they closed it for college kids right. who didn't go through that system. So for a great space, good location, lots of people, there may have been one or two games in town and that was about it. Right. Yeah. And, and when we're talking about Long Island, for those people that don't know, um, it is very hard to get on and off the island. <laughs> yeah, like, we want to stay on Long Island. Yeah, yeah. Your GPS might say hour and a half and you're like two hours later, you're still driving, you know? So it depends on, on how traffic flows. But yeah, I mean, Long Island has a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of great high schools, a lot of great track programs, but there's just not a lot of access to pole vaulting, especially year round. Forget about year round. You know what I mean? Um, there's certain people that are super lucky, like a good friend of mine, Jim Henderson. He's at St. Anthony's. They have their own indoor track. They're very, very lucky. But I mean, listen, I, I, for everybody that's watching or listening to this, I, I, I think you can probably count on one hand how many high schools you know that have an indoor pole vault set up. Like that's very rare, you know? So unless you're in a, like a warm weather state, which Long Island has winter, you guys get snow, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you need some kind of club situation. There's just not a lot of access. I know I was even getting Long Island kids for the years. I know Flying Circus gets Long Island kids. So it's like, and that's in war with New York. So it's like the fact that now there's a club in Long Island, I, I mean, I, it's just, it, it's a no brainer, I feel like. And you have to even think a step further. There's something like eight colleges and universities on Long right. Island. None of them have an indoor, actual competable indoor track and field facility. And maybe one or two of them have a couple competitive pole vaulters. Right. So high school, hand. Um, on one hand, college, even less. Right, right. I think, I mean, Stony Brook being the, you know, the the dominant figure, like, all right, Stony Brook's a major university, major D1 program. You know, Andy Rooney is the coach there, Andy Ronan. He was a stud distance guy. He's a stud distance coach. Wonderful program. Uh, My colleague Howard from uh, Williams University is now there, the sprint coach. They don't have any pole vaulters, don't have any facilities for it. Right. Heck, this is is that opportunity to, to grow not only the their program they can farm that out to us and heck we can get really good real fast with it well right and i think that's something that people don't understand when you open up a pole vaulting club because there's so many different opportunities you know i think right away a lot of people go to oh high school kids you know Mm -hmm. like i was telling you guys i was at at a graduation party yesterday and someone was talking to me and i was explaining how like at apex in new jersey like we've actually grown to the point where we have a, a substantial amount of adult clients that come in. I mean, heck, you guys were some of the adult clients <laughs> coming in, right? And so it's like, we're building that demographic and showing people like, no, you, you can continue to vault after college. If you're enjoying it, this is your way of staying in shape, being part of a community. And uh, I know me and Calvin Hartman have talked about it. It's like, everybody's got, you know, a home, everybody's got a job, but we all kind of need that third place. You know, it's not home, it's not work. You need that third spot in your life. And pole vaulting can be that for people. It's just, there hasn't always been the opportunity. There hasn't been a place to go. And so I, I think that that is a huge demographic. You can grow the adult sector. Yes, there's the high school kids. But I think now, like what you guys are bringing up too, if you have a pole vaulting club and you are near colleges that don't have a pole vault like coach, they don't have a pole vault facility, they don't have enough pole vault equipment like poles, 
I mean, this is a no brainer for colleges. They can come in and rent time or rent your coaching. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big chunk for the club. And I think that's a great way to, to grow the business. Absolutely. So, sorry, <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Well, before I go into certain other topics, I mean, I still want to go in deeper. I mean, like, well, I mean, so for those people that are listening, don't know, obviously Brad and Toby are married. Um, like Toby, what were your thoughts when Brad spoke to you? I probably about that text message. Like Bronco says, we don't even need 30 grand to start this. Like what, what was your thought process? I mean, honestly, I'm amazed that it took this long. Okay. Yeah. Um, we've been collecting polls for a while. There was one point in time that we had a raised runway that we stored in grandma's garage. Um, (laughs) For anyone with Jewish grandmas, you know how um, persuasive. Persuasive, yeah, that's a great term. They can be. She was getting frustrated with it being in yeah. her garage, um, mm-hmm. so we we sold that off. She can't use her garage still, but that's another story. <laughs> I'm lucky. Um, but you know, we always thought that you needed, you needed the people to build the business. So we've, we wanted to hook up with people and then we had all these other extraneous things going on, but it kind of almost fell in, in play of, yeah, let's just do it. Like we, we've got the space. We've got a couple people. Let's do it. Why, Why not? There's, there's a vacuum. Why not? We'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. So, it, it's funny also to figure it out as you go yeah. thing. So it's funny. I follow this one guy that's like a gym business guy, Bedros. Uh, God, I forget Bedros's last name, but if you literally just put Bedros, B-E-D-R-O-S into Instagram or Google, he'll come up. He has like some fit camp boot camp type thing that is blown up and he does some other stuff, but someone had messaged him and he posted on Instagram. They're like, you know, how did you get your business off the ground? He goes, you know, uh, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have the money to front it. He goes, I maxed out every credit card I had and took every loan that the banks would give me. And I decided I was just going to make it work. <laughs> and so listen, I'm not giving that advice to everybody out there, but there is a certain thing where like you just said it too. It's like, you have to make the dive. Like, I think like thinking about Long Island, right? Like there's no pole vault club in Long Island, right? Um, there's plenty of people. There's great track programs. Like you said, there's a vacuum, there's people, but it's like, there's still that moment. You're like, yeah, but what if nobody signs up? Right? Like, what if nobody joins the club? Right? Like, you know, so there is that kind of anxiety because I felt it even myself in 2010, when I went full-time with Apex, you know, it's like, okay, I've got to pay rent to someone. And it's like, if I don't have clients, how am I going to pay this rent? And I mean, I even had fail safe things in my head. I was like, all right, like, I can afford this business loan, even if I had to like work at a grocery store, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, on the side and it's like, and, and I could just store the mats somewhere or sell them off. Like there were all these like things too. Like if it failed, like maybe I would do this, but it's like, in my mind, it was like, it's not going to fail. Like I'm going to make this work. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts that I have in places I want to go, but like, I guess the next thing I would ask you guys like, why did you guys want to do the apex vaulting thing? I'm sure you've heard me talk about franchising because yeah. Calvin for a little while was thinking about it and just certain things didn't work out and all that kind of stuff. But like, why did you guys go with the apex franchise as opposed to just starting 
fresh by yourselves. I think you know, I sat in the car and listened to your podcast for a solid month before we did. So I was like, easy way to brainwash yourself. And I've been obviously coaching, <laughs> being coached by you. So, you know, your, your ear, your voice is in my ear, but the idea of just, I, we could have called it TMBs, athletics or whatever, and taking the ego out of it of, of five years, 10 years, 20 years down the, ro- uh, down the road, what is this going to look like? And mm-hmm. so the general concept of, much like CrossFit, whereas, you know, I was a doubter in 2005 and I thought, that's a CrossFit gym. It's a fad. It'll be out of here. Right. Well, heck, right. now people are, are paying money to compete for doing pull-ups. And this is a heck of a lot more fun than pull-ups. So the general concept of like taking yeah. ego out of it, there's a different path for it. And it doesn't need to be Brad's athletics or Bell's athletics. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the name's Edward Bell. Yeah, yeah. If you know, you know. <laughs> uh, and being able to do uh, something special, just a friend, make it grow and build the market where you live. If there was already re- name recognition. There was the system works. Mm-hmm. And I'm a good coach. Um, and so mixing those things together, it could be very successful. Yeah. I, I Similarly, um, shocking to admit this, you are my longest coach and I think I only oh, had wow. you for two three years or however mm-hmm. long it was um I've never had that kind of system and coming in with close to 20 years worth of of bad habits that I was trying to mm-hmm. get get rid of it it clicked I appreciated it I liked the structure I do like structure mm-hmm. um and it, it's accessible yeah. Well, so to speak about like structure for a little bit before we go into other stuff, I mean, I, I think that's really big. You know, um, I was just talking to Brad and Toby, both of you before the podcast, like I follow this guy, Chris Cooper. He's a CrossFit guy and he talks about gym businesses. And the thing is like, you have to have a system. There has to be procedures in, in place. If you think you're going to run a pole vaulting club and it's going to be super successful and it's just going to be open pit time, and you just kind of give people adjustments, it's, it's going to fizzle. You'll get customers during track season for sure. They need jump space. They need maybe even access to poles. But in the off season, they're going to go away because there is no structure. There is no plan. So it's like, it, it, and, and again, it doesn't have to be the apex system. But as long as you have a system, you have a structure, there is a reason why someone would want to keep coming in year round and training because they know they can make continual progress. You know, never mind some of the other things that we talked about, like culture and community, you know, this becomes that third place, right? Mm-hmm. It's not my home. It's not my job. It's my third place where I get to like kind of unwind and, and have a good time jumping. But I think without that structure, I don't think it can be that third place. Mm-hmm. I think if it's just willy nilly open gym time, you're going to kind of get fed up and just walk away. You know, there has to be a structure in place. I think that's super important. I mean, general concept that pole vault is also really specific and, you know, you can try and coach yourself, but without someone else being diligent about no, you need to make these changes and being meticulous with the process. It's not, you're going to fizzle out. It's not going to get better. And it's just, yeah, you may have jumped what you wanted, but it's not going to get better. So. Well, yeah. And, and I think part of the system, and it's so funny because one of the dads today after the session, he was pointing out how like, uh, you know, this is our attendance sheets and what write everybody's names and their grips from how many lefts and what, what drills or progressions they were doing. Like he was like, Oh man, you guys are so meticulous, like writing stuff down. And I think, that's the thing, right? Like we have something that backs up what we're saying. So when we tell an athlete, like, Hey, you're working hard. A PR is around the corner. Look at these numbers. 
or vice versa. You can tell an athlete like, Hey, um, PR, I don't know if you're going to jump what you did last year. Look at these numbers. Like we're heading <laughs> in the wrong direction, you know? So it's like, I, I think that's, that's super, super important. If you know, one, you want to help people jump higher and two, you want to have a business that's successful. Cause I think, I think that's really important too. Like one of the things that made me so happy is like, you know, I know how I felt once I knew I was like, wow, I literally coach pole vaulting for a living. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so cool, you know? Um, and I remember actually coming in, like, I guess, was this a month ago, two months ago? I don't know. Yeah. Month ago, yeah. So I came in, you know, Brad had a, uh, go, go somewhere. And so I, me and Toby just got dinner, but you were so happy, you know, and I like that made me feel great because it's like, yeah, we're going to figure this out together. We're going to, you know, get you guys to that point. You know, I, like nothing's going to make me happier knowing that when it eventually gets to a point where it's like, this is it, this is what you guys are supporting yourselves with like that. That's going to be awesome. Which I guess that's my next thing is like from a business standpoint, right? Like I think Toby, you were talking more about like the coaching system, like, okay, like you want to be able to coach this system, but let's face it, you could have done this system without being apex, right? Like you were at the club, you could have just been like, whatever. And I'm a friendly enough guy. If you called me, I would, <laughs> you know, I would answer any questions you have. Right. Why from, from a business standpoint, what do you guys think are the advantages of being apex? I think quite literally, there was already an infrastructure on the ground. And so, yes, the system's there. We could have, we could have copy and pasted that. But the idea that uh, we're talking on a podcast, and I mean, I think we, is this the 100th podcast? Oh, gosh. I, well, I'll check. Okay, uh, so the idea was, all right, I think his first podcast, it was, ah, this is our new podcast. Well, I think the 100th podcast is, hey, we now have a franchise. Um, and so the, the, not to say that the legwork was done, but there was already name recognition. There was already a system in place. And heck, immediately, um, I think you put a, an Instagram of, ah, we got two, we got two locations within minutes. Uh, my phone started to ring from our, our first athlete. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I went out to New Jersey, but oh, you're 20 minutes down the road. Like, great. Um, and so it, it already existed and there was already a, a method to do it. And it was a good jumping off point for that. And just again, taking the ego out of it and be like, we want to grow not only our market, but the whole thing nationally. This is how the, the system can go. Well, and, and I want to know your opinion, Toby, but again, just like you said, it could have been, you know, TMB athletics. It's like, well, this is not Bronco vaulting. It's <laughs> apex vaulting. And something that I've always felt very strongly about is like, I know to some people I am a figurehead and I use that bitmoji. That's really cool, but I think it's funny bitmoji, <laughs> but like, um, I want it to be the apex system. You know, I think it's more important than just me. And I remember even talking to Jake Winder, who I've had on the podcast and I was talking about like systems. And if you really have faith in your system, it's not about you. If I have to coach every single person that walks through my club, for them to be successful, that's not a system, it's me. And that means it can't be duplicated and we can't help enough people. But if you believe in a system and in a way, it's like, no, it's like everybody can do this. Everybody can coach this system. And it's like, even early on getting videos from you guys or phone calls and like hearing the things that you guys were talking about coaching, I was like, wow, it's working. Everything's <laughs> awesome, you know? And it's like, and like, I feel like we, we had PR videos up pretty quickly. Yeah. It, it was amazing. You guys hadn't been open that long already. People are having significant PRs, which I was pumped about. Um, and, and I think that's super, super important. Like there, there has to be that, that kind of system in place. Um, well, but, I think specifically, so, all right, 
having been around the pole vault for 20 plus years now, uh, term you call pushing, right? Y'all, you push to take off. Again, it's something that I've seen and I, I explained it to athletes of, oh, well, you know when you, you sublux a shoulder and that little uh, the, the AC joint pops out? Talking to smart athletes at the collegiate level, yeah, like, yeah, yeah like, that's what I see when you push or when that, when that yeah, shoulder yeah. comes mm-hmm. in. Well, heck, that's what I saw. I couldn't verbalize it. And all of a sudden, like, oh, seeing my athlete come in and do that, like, that's a term that we use for pushing. That's a, a, a continuity vocabulary that we have. Yeah, I understand yeah. what it is. And mm-hmm. that's how it is. And so even from I'm an experienced football coach being able to stay within the system or, or grow within that system a little bit better, it makes my own coaching better. So, uh, it was fuel in the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And, and again, to kind of go back, it's like growing that system and growing our network, I think is a huge thing. Like Toby, what, what, can you speak more about like the business side of it? Like what, what are the advantages of doing it? under apex versus if you guys were all by yourself? I mean, there's two things that come to mind, you, and it, it does feel like there's, we're not on our own. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, a, a safety net almost. There's probably no safety net, but like mm-hmm. there's a, a safety with it because apex has it again, it's, it's structure of coaching, but it's also, there's a structure of business. There's a structure of how things are done and are run. And I've worked in, in fitness for a number of years and know what, when, when you see a good fitness business Mm -hmm. versus when you see a poorly run fitness business, like you can't really put your, your finger on it, but you, you know, it when you see it and you know, it, world domination (laughs) (laughs) well well to to kind of expand on what you're saying toby i think i think what's interesting is like and again before we started the podcast because we had a we coached uh, the sunday sessions and um then we had like a little powwow talking about coaching and some business stuff and you know one of the things we talked about was even like okay seasonal and monthly packages our intro package and just how to create that like what is a seasonal package why are we doing seasonal packages why should we have an open pit time or not have an open pit time? You know, so there's all these things that like, yeah, if you guys have questions, it's like you call up, I answer, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to help walk you guys through. It's like, yeah, guys, that's a great idea. We should do that. Or you know what? Like I've tried that or I've thought about it and this is why that's not going to work, you know? So I can help steer you guys in the right direction. I mean, it could even be like, oh my God, Bronco, I feel like we're not getting enough clients. Like, don't worry. It's like in this month, this is what, what what's going to happen. You know, um, other things that I just want to bring up too, is like, obviously like being part of apex, like, well, you know, one, I went out and found the best deals I could for you guys with equipment mm-hmm. as far as like runway pit stuff. Um, even polls. I mean, you guys bought some polls, but I also gave you guys some polls because I wanted to make sure that you guys had what you needed and you didn't have to spend as much money as maybe the thought. You know, and so there's like so much there where, and, and this is the tough thing. I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but I've even myself, right? Like I've called up these like so-called like gym business people that have like different like marketing things and whatever. And I've called them up. Oddly enough for everybody listening, uh, they never have their prices up front. You have to go through a half hour to hour phone call, which sounds great. And then when you hear the price at the end, you're like, yeah, I'm good. Um, I think one place they wanted something like two grand a month for them to handle your marketing funnel and all this stuff. 
I'm like, dude, I'm like, first of all, you just said in the beginning of the phone call, you've never dealt with a pole vault gym. So you don't know that any of this is going to work with my business. <laughs> right. So it's like that, that's the thing. It's like, you could try to hook up with some of these different people in a little bit different industries, even though it's fitness, it's not pole vault. Yeah. And so the thing is like, I've oftentimes like listened to some of that stuff and then be like, okay, how do I make this the pole vault version? You know? So even whether it's like the social media stuff, email blasts, you know, all that kind of stuff, like what can you do? Cause unfortunately, I mean, I've had this conversation with Sean Francis, like, Who's posting? Not, there's not a lot of people posting content. You'll see people post a video of a PR. You'll see people post a nice picture. And all that stuff is great. And I think people need to keep doing that. But there's not a lot to go out there and be like, okay, well, I want to open up a pole vaulting club. How do I do that? There's not a lot. I mean, forget about even like uh, technical conversations, right? Like there's not a lot of content on technique. Never mind now. It's like, hey, I want to open up a pole vaulting club. How do I successfully do that? without losing all my money and then, you know, going out of business. So it's like, I think that's where it's like, like you said, it's like, yeah, maybe there's not like a financial safety net. Like I'm not a millionaire. I can't just be like, <laughs> Hey guys, here's a hundred grand, like take it, you know? But you know, there is that safety net of like, if you guys are in a crunch and you need something, you know, there's somebody to call. Cause I, on the other end of the spectrum, it's like, I know what it's like when it's like, you start that business, there's nobody to call. There's nobody. I'm like Googling stuff. I'm think, talking to anybody who will listen to me at that point. I mean, there's friends and family that are like, if you're going to talk about your business, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's like, so it, it's nice to know that there's someone there with you to help you along the way. And I think also, you know, one of the things that makes me happy about the franchise, and I want to know you guys, the opinion you guys have about this is, okay, you guys are the first location. I obviously don't want it to be the last, right? Mm. So it's like, eventually, like, let's say there's a central Jersey or a South Jersey or, a, you know, maybe even like a, a Westchester or a New York or upstate New York, right? Like, heck, I, maybe somebody listens to this podcast in Minnesota or something and is like, hey, I'd like to open up an Apex in Minnesota, <laughs> right? I think that'd be so cool because then eventually what happens, there's a network of all these clubs and now as a business, we have so much more clout, yeah. right? So now even when we call manufacturers, let's say we call a pole manufacturer or whatever, and we're like, hey, you know, the Apex clubs need 5,000 poles next year. What's the best price that you can give us? You know what I mean? Yeah. And now all of a sudden we have a lot more influence. And, and I even think about things like, you know, having big like pole vault summits and to do it like a trade show where even like non-Apex clubs, they can set up a booth and advertise their summer camps and sell their t-shirts and whatever the case may be. And then have these big events because then once it grows like that, you could see how all of a sudden, even some of those things that seem like fantasy land, you know what I mean? Like talking about prize money, it's like imagine having a national competition yep. where the prize money was like really a big deal. You know what I mean? Like I, I, that's my like ultimate like vision for this, but it's like, I, I think that's so cool. And the more people in the network, the more we can all help each other out. And like, even you were mentioning to people at practice today that I think is like really, really cool. It's like, Hey man, like if you're in Jersey and you never ever need to practice, you know, you can go to the, the New Jersey location, just like, you know, you guys have gotten some Jersey people that are vacationing in Long yeah. Island. Yeah. So it's like, that's pretty cool. It's like, they know they can come here. There's another place that they can jump and it's the same experience. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I think, you know, that that's what's super cool to me. 
So I think, you know, public clubs are, they're, they're often, they exist and there's lots of them, but the idea of the, it changes from club to club. And so, you know, I started out at hip athletics and, 2002 and then all right well dub jones who was coaching there left and he was a bell athletics guy so went over to, to train with mike lark uh, mm. at vertical salt for for a handful of years and, and then went to university and then up to patriot and trained there for a mm. couple of years and they've had a different system different philosophy and then you know training with kurt dunn for a couple of years yeah, and, yeah. um and then whatever and then eventually you know i don't know again we'll train with, with bronco and so the idea that it lots of pole vaults exist but there's different flavor everywhere. And mm-hmm. I think the beginner Dubupka t- book talks about the difference between style and technique mm-hmm. with all those different pole vault clubs. A, they've got different, they've got different styles, but they all have different techniques. And right. so, all right, I'm a little bit of a chameleon. I love the pole vault. I'll study anyone's technique and I'll figure it out and jump high with it. But now, well, heck now we can grow it within the same technique. There might be different styles between Bronco and myself and Toby, but there is a jumping off point that we can all grow within the same system. So the idea of setting up the lattice work where our volunteers can grow and expand is, is what we want to do. Yeah. I, I think also something that's big for me is like, I think too often because like I said, early in the podcast, a lot of people view pole vaulting clubs as like, Oh, we just coach high school kids. Well, so now you're limited to a two to four year window of instructing someone and kind of like you were bringing this up with yourself about like, you know, wow, like that's the longest you've worked with a single coach, you know? And it's like, well, I feel like because a lot of people only have a two to four year kind of program, you know, there's no way to level up. And this is where I always bring up like martial arts and like the belt system. It's like, you cannot teach a black belt the way you teach a white belt. It might even be the same drill. It might even be the same drill progression. But the layers that you have to add for that are completely different. And I think that's the thing that I feel very grateful for is like, I'm fortunate enough, I've coached individuals for eight years plus, you know? And so when you're doing that, you have to find something new for them to do. If you were going to do the first day practice for eight years, I promise you it won't go eight years, you know? And so it's like that, that I think is like really, really huge and, and also, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's going to help you grow your business. You're going to keep clients because they always find it interesting. There's always something new to work on. I think now you talk about this in your, your podcast often. Are the Olympics killing us or hurting us? And obviously it's an Olympic year and we congratulate all those Olympians that just made the team. Yeah, trials is crazy. It's awesome. Um, but the general concept of like, all right, a, tra- a four-year training cycle exists because it's an, Olympic, it's an Olympic season and that's the way it is. I mean, right, right. But the idea of, well, how do you have continuity across multiple years and being able to set up strength training, speed training, pole vault training. Um, And I think in the strength conditioning world, we exist in that four year bubble because all the Olympics are the pinnacle of what we do. The reason why our apex vaulting as a franchise, we're not associated with USATF per se is because it's bigger than that. It's bigger than a four year cycle. And that is another reason why we are not TMB athletics because it's bigger than four years. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody would open a business and be like, this might last four years. <laughs> four years. Might be good. <laughs> I think we could have people just stay for four years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not, but yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was telling you guys before the podcast too, um, there's this gym owner that I was listening to on a podcast, and she was saying how she has a 100-month club, which is roughly eight years, which I thought was so cool listening to the podcast. And she said when you join the 100-month club – she gets like a thank you card, a gift card, gives it to the person. There's like, I guess like a board somewhere where they post all the people in that club. 
And, um, and Toby, you were funny. You were like, uh, you know, like how many of those are you going to have? But what's weird is like, I've had people who have been at Apex for eight years. So, and, and she said, as soon as she started the club, people who were like at 80 months were like, oh my God, I'm close, right? Like <laughs> how many more months, you know? So it's like, that's the thing. It's like, you want to really grow a community and a business, you know, that's, that's how you get there. And I'm even pumped that like, you know, I have like families that have jumped with me, you know, like the Marazzi's, you know, Jason and John, Isabella, we just got to get mom in. Mom's <laughs> she's, she's holding out. <laughs> but you know, it's like, so that's so cool to be able to work with all of them. And then it's like, man, it's so much more fun going to States too. Like I posted a picture from after States and we all got dinner together and stuff like that. I, I think that's awesome because now it's like, regardless, I mean, like, obviously you want to have a good day. You want people to PR, but it's like knowing that at the end of the meet, it's like, you're not just driving home by yourself. You know what I mean? And just, you know, staring at the TV, you know, whatever. No, you get to go with your community and now like talk about the day and bullshit and have a good time. Maybe I know people are my, especially my athletes are listening. Like you might have a slice of pizza, uh, <laughs> really splurge. Yeah, I think no. The the, the best pole vault uh, movie there is is, is a pole vaulter's dream by Bubba McLean. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel, yeah, Danny McLean. I'm sorry, Daniel McLean. Um, and the end, he's talking to Toby Stevenson. Toby Stevenson says, you know, "Wait, wait, wait. Oh yes. Wait, wait, wait. Pause. I'm sorry. Toby Stevenson and I have a nickname for each other. We are Toby Squared. They're like this. Oh wow. Pole vault summit 2012. Toby met 12. He Toby was, met Toby. He was. Very taken aback that I was so excited to meet him over Tim Mack. Yeah, Tim Mack was next and we wanted to meet Toby. Sorry. <laughs> so the, the quote in, in Bubba McLean's... Uh, I didn't know where that was going for a minute. I was yeah, like, are we about to have a divorce uh -oh. on the podcast? <laughs> God, that escalated quickly. <laughs> so, I mean, Toby Stevens says, you know, the best part about pole vault isn't the money, it's not the medals. It's a group of really great friends where the, the, mm -hmm. the energy is magical. And that is absolutely true. I mean, Kadon Samuels is one of my best friends. It, he was a, a groomsman at my wedding. I'm his son's godfather, Jane Kelsey Weber, run Patriot up in New England. Mm -hmm. um, all my teammates, I had my, my groomswoman, my best man first alternate, Caitlin Fairbairn, was my, my groomsman woman. Um, just the idea that so much community around my life in Povol has been there that this is why I want to continue it. And so the idea that community in sport is valuable. The reason why Friday night lights exist. Right. The reason why people go to those football games to see football because it's fun. But the idea that like, right. all right, the high school football might not be very good, but you can get together around a sport. Um, that's what I see track and field as. And that's how I grew up in the sport. And that's why I, you know, married a pole vaulter and, uh, <laughs> you know, so. that was the requirement. Well, I, so, I mean, she moved in and I had, I know I, you, you, I can't, you can't see the pull bags. I've got my five meter bag down the center of our apartment and it took up most of it. And she was like, no, I dig it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. A non pole might not be okay with that. I know. Yeah. Well, and, and just to add on that, I think, look, if you want to keep that community going and provide that home for so many people, it's like, I know people don't like to talk about it. Sometimes they're like, there has to be business involved. You have to have a business. You have to have a way for people to, you know, make money doing this. And I know like one, I was super pumped, you know, for you guys, but I know even me like paying people at the club to coach for me, like I'm happy to do that. I look forward to maybe someday, you know, we get to the point where I can have a full-time staffed person. You know what I mean? That'd be super pumped. Like it's just, it would be an amazing moment, you know? Absolutely. And I think the thing is like, you know, that's always 
been uh, missing in the pole vault community and the track community. It's like people start talking business, they don't want to hear it. You know, like I was even talking to someone at a meet and they were complaining about a couple of club meets that cost too much money. And listen, like I get it, man. It's like sometimes it's not cheap. Like there's some meets this summer that are 60 plus dollars, 70 plus dollars. And I get that that sounds like a lot. But it's like, you go to these meets, there's music, it's just pole vault, a lot of people are jumping, it's a great time, you know, all kinds of different things. Some people have a food truck and the medals they give out or the awards they give out are really nice. To have that kind of experience, it has to be that. I think so many people in the track world are so used to like $25 an event, but that's because the track can have so many people running, but yet they'll pay a hundred bucks for a Spartan race. Or, or we're, we're in a cheerleading facility. There's also soccer leagues and baseball leagues and all mm-hmm. across. You, you pay thousands of dollars to go to right. lacrosse games or to go to baseball or soccer games. What's, what's that? Right. right. Yeah. Like it's not that big a deal. And, and again, I'll go back to the Spartan race thing. Like people paying hundred dollars more for a Spartan race. I mean, you literally run around in mud and then they have a beer for you at the end, you know, and sure it's music. It's an event. I get it. Like I, I'm not saying Spartan shouldn't charge a hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. But it's like, that's where it's like, I think Povo people need to like start to change their mind. Cause I think because you've always competed at, with your high school, with your college, they pay for everything. You don't see the cost. And so you're like, wait, what am I going to be paying for? And to me again, and I've, I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast a lot. It's like, I think a pole vault event only, like not a track meet, is way cooler than a track meet. Well, pole vault is what everyone wants to go watch yeah. at track meets uh, anyway. Right, right, so. right, right. And, and so now you go to that pole vault meet. One, you get to watch pole vault the whole time, but you're around pole vaulters. And I, I made a post about this this week. It's like why you should compete in the summer or year round. But it's like one of the things is like to go outside of your circle. So even if you are one of the fortunate people that you jump at a club, sometimes like, well, you're around the same people. This, you get to go outside of your circle, talk to people, meet with them. Oh my God, yeah, that happens at our club too. And da, da, da. Or you may be like, what? That's so awesome. Why don't we do that shit at our club? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, and you come back and tell yeah. Brad. And then Brad calls me. He's like, Brian, what do I do about this? Uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, but like, I, I think that's a cool thing. I think also even from a competitive standpoint, listen, you might be thinking you're killing it at your club. And then you go to the meet and you're like, wow, where did that come from? How, why am I not on that level? Because what you think is good might not be that good. So, I don't know. I think that's the, I mean, a difficult point of, of being a, a post-collegiate and training at the club of like, you've got a session where there's a bunch of studs in there who are like, man, that's the, that's the group I want to train with. Right. A, might not be able to get into the, because it's, it's competitive to be in there, but at the same time, like, I have other things going on that I need to get yeah, back yeah. and like, Mm-hmm. Now we're in Long Island, like that's a three hour to go out to Apex was an all day event. And so right, right. You know, that was unfortunate, but at the same time, like, you know, having that training partners is, is vital. So being able to build that community and that, are you good in your club or do you want to be in that other space to jump with them? Uh, so. Yeah. Well, let, let me, since you brought that up, let me ask that question. Where was the shift for you guys where it was like, I am a pole vaulter to now it's like, I want to be a pole vault coach, also run a pole vaulting club. Like, how did you make that shift? Because I think for some people, like I've gotten people who coach at the club who are still competing and that's their main thing. Like they just, they're like a substitute teacher. It's not that big of a deal. But then I have some people that they want to be a coach, 
but it's clear. It's like, no, you're still competing. Like that's your number one. Like you don't really like, you could care less if that kid on the runway PRs. like, you're, you're like, in fact, you're like, listen, you gotta be done in five minutes because it was starting to work out. Like, you know what I mean? It's like the last thing on your mind is like how that, that kid is doing on the runway or, or whoever the adult. So it's like, when did you guys make that shift or how did you make that shift? Cause I, I feel like also there's a lot of people. It's like, if I can't compete at a high level, I'm leaving this sport for good. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter for fun. I don't want to coach. Like, how did you guys get to that point where you wanted to coach and have a club? You might have an answer. I've never been at the high level. So, I mean, I'm jumping still because I am unsatisfied, but I think coaching makes me a better athlete and being Mm -hmm. An athlete makes me a better coach. I do hop on the runway mm-hmm. with the kids. Um, I think it also adds a layer of depth to the relationship that I personally have with some of the athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, they see what it looks like to to be training, to be serious. That yes, we can joke in the back of the runway, but when it's your turn, you're focused. Yeah, you um, could definitely like model like yeah. how to practice yeah yeah um but i mean i think i don't know i think i've always enjoyed coaching and wanted to coach so i haven't seen those two things kind of yeah well i i think you you bring a a big point up is like if you really want to be good coaching really does help take it to the next level. Cause I think there's that, that point where let's say you're coaching me and you're like Bronco, like you're so flat, you got to jump up the plants late. And I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. But then if you're like coaching, you see someone else who's late and flat and you're like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's what that looks like. Oh, I get it. Okay. I get it. You know, Or, or to be able to, to point out to one of the girls of, Hey, we jump the same, we do the same thing. So what he's saying to me is the same thing that you should be hearing. So let's work together and figure it out together. Right. Right. Well, I I think that's, that's another point too. It's like when you see someone make a mistake, you can't just be like, Hey, be better. You know what I mean? It's like, you have to like now in your head, be like, well, wait, okay. How do I explain this nuanced thing? Because I, I can't just say do better to a kid, you know, like you, you have to walk them through it, you know? Um, what, what about for you? Like what, what brought you to this point? So my career goals have always been to, uh, well, not always been, but have been to be a collegiate coach. And so my bachelor's degree is in kinesiology. Um, my public coach knew I wanted to get into coaching, uh, Jim Selden, who's now at UT. And so he introduced me to, to coaching women's rugby to get, experience coaching just the idea of coaching is coaching mm-hmm. figure out how to coach something obscure like women's rugby and you can get to the next level um and so then i started uh, going to grad school to get my master's in education specializing in advanced level coaching okay. and that's where i i you know i linked up with american international college and oh, you're gonna say me oh yeah well, it's where we met as well um that also was an important event too <laughs> <laughs> But so uh, getting linked up with the AIC to, to coach there and all right, they went to meets and I was able to still train and compete. And really I was an assistant coach and didn't get paid very much more. I was a volunteer and got to travel the same way because post-collegiate life is hard. And then all of a sudden, like, all right, we get to the next school and maybe it's a little bit more coaching and it was a little less pole vault. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I've 
you know, find myself like, you know what, I really want to start to, to tick over and get these kids really good. And maybe that's, you know, take a step back to my own training. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there is a switch that happens of, you know what, I'm not going to compete this week. I want to, you know, we're, we're going to a big meet. I want them to compete well. Uh, you know what, it's a national meet. Maybe I won't do it. And maybe you know, I'll skip a workout because it's late now and they got to work it in. So there is a, there is that switch that does happen. Um, yeah. And it has happened to me within, I think probably 2015 was probably like the major switch of when it was a big, big turn of, mm-hmm. I went 15.9 off of six steps. That was the, in October. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest, earliest I've, I'd ever been. Finally, Kurt and I figured each other out and I was like, I don't feel good in the runway and my appendix burst. And so that sort of, you know, yeah. that was unlucky. And so all of a sudden, like, you know what? I'm, I'm eight pounds lighter than I was three, three months ago. I'll focus on coaching for the next bit and then we'll wait to the next year. And all of a sudden there's a new coaching gig that you get hired at and it's a, a little bit more money, but you mm-hmm. a little, lot more time. Okay. So we're not going to train as much. And yeah. it's sort of, it then it changes over. So I think even right now, if you know what, just before COVID hit, like I want to train, I want to pull again. I want to get back over five meters. I want to tag another crack at 17 feet. Let's, let's have a go at it. And then all right, COVID hits. And, okay. And then, yeah all right, you know what? I need pole vault in my life. We'll go back to training. And then, you know, how much money do you have to make on pole vault? Well, not very much. Let's have another go at it. And so there is that, that mentality of, you know, at some point it will switch and that's unfortunate. And there's yeah. everyone's career goals change. Um, I think Toby's father was a very competitive elite, elite ultra marathoner. And he, you know, I was still competing at high level when we were dating. He's like, you know, at some point I think I, I, was in a marathon and I wasn't feeling it. So I pulled up, we found the, the, the girls and, or the, the kids and my wife and said, you know what, let's go get for ice cream. There'll be other, other marathons. Later that week, he was moving a shed and dropped a shed on his foot and his career was done. He, there was no more marathons. Yeah. And so something that my coach always told me from New England, John Hugasian was always, a, tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. And so for me, trying to hold on to that, look, I love pole vault. I still want to compete but I still love the sport. You know what? I'm not committing as much time as I need to, to be a 17 footer. It's all right. Well, how can I still be in the sport? And so that switch has already happened. I'm still training, but not as what I would like to. And yeah, so, well, yeah. I, I think something that you brought up that's huge. And I think not enough people get to this point. And we were kind of talking about um, when I, when I end up talking to kids who have graduated college, it's like, it's almost like a midlife crisis. I call it like a post-college crisis, you know, because while you're going through, you know, high school and college, like everything is about you. Everyone is of service to you. And now you finish college, right? And now it's like, okay, everybody talks about it. you're in the real world, you know? And I think the thing is like, you have to flip that switch and you started bringing it up. It's like, well, you know, you could compete this weekend, but this high school kid has a big meet, you know what I mean? Or you could get another training session in, but like, oh, this kid needs to practice and get ready for the big meet, you know? And so it's like, you have to start thinking about serving others and helping other people. You know what I mean? And that is something where it's like, once you get to that, man, I I don't know about you guys, but for me, it makes me a lot happier knowing that I'm helping people because like, whatever, like, I mean, I don't know, like the one, there's not a lot of things that I want in life, you know, I I, like, no, I mean, I I don't know. I'm a pretty simple guy, right? Like, I don't like, you know, I don't need some kind of huge mansion. I mean, I do like cars, but I don't need a Ferrari. <laughs> it's got a nice you know drive. what I mean? Nice drive. I do, it is a nice Chevy Colorado, but um, you know, I don't, I don't have like a lot of wants, you know? And even like, I guess like one of my things that I indulge in is food. I love food, <laughs> but it's like, dude, I, you know, pizza's pizza. I've had ice cream. You know, it's like at some point it's like, okay, it's not about me just 
finding pleasure for myself all the time. It's like, no, helping other people achieve their goals, helping other people like learn valuable life lessons. It starts to like, when you flip that switch, I mean, I don't know, it's just so much more rewarding. Like I'm driving in the club. I know already driving in, I'm like, okay, so-and-so is coming in. We got to get this done. We got to get that done, you know? And that, that's what motivates me and gets me up in the morning, gets me excited. And then something that you kind of brought up too, and we were talking about earlier is like, you know, you jumping with the kids, like one, the fact that you can jump, I think is very <laughs> important. Right. But it's like you, you are modeling that good behavior. And then also it's like, if you are living a healthy lifestyle, if you are working out, if you are staying in shape, if you are eating right, if you are living right, it's like you're modeling this great behavior for the young people, but also the adults. Mm-hmm. I think that too, it's like, I think it helps so much for my adult clients when they come in and they're like, wow, I'm around a bunch of people that are all working hard, training hard, eating healthy, living right. It's like, cool. I'm, I'm in the right atmosphere to try to like take it up a notch in my life. It's, it, that to me is like so rewarding, you know? I think, I mean, so sport and being competitive, and this is a little bit of what you, to jump off what you just said of, of uh, being around people and, and that atmosphere many people didn't have that experience growing up or didn't have that experience in high school or whatnot to have mm-hmm. a, a positive experience with sport and activity or fitness. Um, people are, I don't like sport. I don't like competition. Well, that's fine. Track and field is just you and the bar. It's, you know, long jumps, just a runway in a box of sand. I mean, play exists until it doesn't. The idea that a car comes and people stop playing in the middle of the street and not get hit by the car. It's fleeting. And we can still bring that, that passion and that activity to what we do in pole vault you're jumping over a bar and landing on a big fluffy mat. I mean, there's playful aspects to it. Sure. And yeah, then, you yeah, know, yeah. if you can learn to find meaning in that, in that aspect of what you do and how you go about doing it, that can be, that's your third place of that's, right. that's how you get to that third place. Yeah. For me, I find meaning through pole vault and it's a runway and a metal box and some fiberglass. Well, I get meaning from that activity and not to say that like sport is analogous for life, but how do we get gain meaning from that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we we talk about modeling. We we talked about my father. Like growing up, to me, sport was family. My first pole ball coach was my father. Sorry, dad. Not the best, Ooh. but willing to be there. I love you. Um, willing to be there. Willing to learn. Willing to to want. He's he he is still coaching, and he is being very successful in in what Mm. he does. So for, for me, you know, coming back to that modeling, to that healthy lifestyle, to that third place, to that, that community and culture, sport is family. Yeah. You know, like not only am I getting on the runway, I'm asking them, Oh, Hey, Hey Colby, how's your new puppy? Um, Hey, Janina, tell me about your, your snakes that I just found out she has. Um, how is your day in school? How are APs? You know, how is your parent, how are your parents doing? Oh, hi parents. What, what are you guys looking for today? Um, you know, though that, that is what I'm almost most excited about. Like business, whatever, pole vault fine it is that 
that village, that culture, those those people. We're, we're building a community. Well, and, and it's funny, right? You're like business, whatever, but it's like, that's also part of business, yeah. right? Like I just saw, um, again, this Chris Cooper guy, they put out a video and they were talking about like, stop doing gym tours, right? <laughs> and they're like, so somebody calls up, they want to join your gym or somebody wants to come join your pole vault club. Do not have them just come in to look at the poles on the wall and the mats. Like, of course, mats and poles, those are necessary, right? <laughs> but we you have know? a four-inch top cover. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's what's going to sell a lot of, lot of athletes and parents. Like, wow, but that place, you know, it's like, and, and they were explaining it. They're like, a duh, like, obviously, like, there should be a squat rack. There should be some barbells. Like, that's not why people are going to join. And especially when you want to make that community and you want to really serve people better, like what you're talking about, you have to get to know them. Like, what are you looking for from this experience? Because you might be shocked. There might be some athletes that come in and whether it's the athlete, their parent, or just the athlete, if they're an adult, that are like, hey, I'm just looking for a place that I, I just, I want to get a workout in. I enjoy pole vault. I want someone to coach me because I don't want to have to worry about if I'm running from the right spot or right pole or whatever. And I'm just looking for a good time. So if you try to convince that person that you're going to get them to PR three feet, that's not important to them. That's not why they're coming in. Then on the flip side, you might get that person is like, no, listen, my school record, like, let's say it's like a high school boy. My school record is 15, three. And I want to break that shit. My brother did it. And I want to, I want to be better than my brother. All right. Let's sit down and talk about the plan, right? Like, that's where it's like, you know, it's like, Brad, Brad I'm sure that's the stuff that you would geek out on. You'd sit down and be like, all right, this is how we're going to get you to break your brother's, uh, you know, school record. You know, it's like, you have to know the people you're working with and what their desires for this is. You know, it's like, because uh, if you swap that and the person who's just trying to have a good time, get a workout in, and you're like, dude, I got to get you to, P, uh, you know, PR three feet. They're like, what are you doing? You got to back off, man. And meanwhile, the other guy who wants to break the school record, if you're like, hey, let's have a good time. you be like, this, I, I can't be here. I'm trying to get things done. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got bars to clear. Come on now. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, you, I, you often say meeting people where they are. And I think yes. that's, that's vital. But at the same time, the, the head of whatever it is, the head of the company, the coach uh, sets that tone. So... Yeah, we have a great time, but the idea of like once you're on the runway, it's it's time to go. And, right, and, right, right. And so, uh, you know, you see other kids from other clubs, and they they're the big fish or whatever. You know, that doesn't impress me. You're you here to train. You're here to high five. What? And so, right. for me to figure that out is a little bit more difficult sometimes um, because of like, man, pole is life. We want to get you get going. But all right, meeting people where they are is really important, and that's something that as a coach, I need to get better at. And right. Use a sterile is the. The term, yeah, yeah, very but sterile. Yes, very, very, yes, just very, very, <laughs> very professional. professional. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's that is, which is why I think we work well together. Oh, you've yeah, got yeah, the, yeah. the top cover, the top button buttoned up, yeah. and I'm sitting over having a tea party with the parents, which is good. So she's gone. So it's like Brad turned away. Everybody back <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> Let's play. Let's put Britney Spears on. Let's put Spice Girls yeah. Pandora. Let's get it going. And so Toby's gone out to all the meets, and I think that's for the for the you know getting new clients to the door. She's very approachable at, at competitions, mm -hmm. and for me, like no, I'm this is what I'm trying to do professionally, and like not working successfully at the, the collegiate level. Like I want to be want to be professional, get it done. Toby's very accessible at meets, and she's gone to all the high school meets that we've gone to this year and she's batting a thousand she's bringing in new clients every time she goes because she's so successful 
and approachable. Well, and you brought up ego before, and I think that's the big thing too when you're running a club. Like you have to check your ego. If you're not good at something, you either have to get better at it or have somebody else do it. You know what I mean? Like you, so that, that's really, really important. And I think sometimes people like they get their ego in the way and they're like, no, 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 it has to be like this. And, and I think even like what we were talking about with like meeting the athlete where they are, you know, it it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Like let's train hard. We've got to push the limits. Let's keep grinding, you know, whatever. But Hey, like this person's coming in. They just, they want to have fun. It's like, well, because if they come in and have fun, you can kind of get them to that place where they start to push even harder and harder. Like, I think the toughest coaching job I've had so far in my life is coaching my brother. <laughs> By the way, everybody, he doesn't pull pole. I mean, he jumped a little bit in high school. He jumped eight six, broke his nose. Um, his knee hit his nose when he landed on the pit. So that was the end of pole vault for him. <laughs> Threw a big old tuck in there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's jumped like once or twice at the club, but like, I, for me, it's more for my brother's like physical fitness. Mm-hmm. And I've been like, but the thing is I've been like sprinkling it in, sprinkling it in. Cause I know if I go too hard with him, he's going to run away. Yeah. And yesterday actually he came in for a workout, man, I I'm proud of him. I worked him real hard. Me and Rob took him through some stuff. And I mean, he texted me today. He, said he almost fell into the toilet cause he was so sore. <laughs> But it's like, so it's like, how, you know, getting even like that person who maybe is not quite ready to be like a full-time savage. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to like, like part-time savage, you know what I mean? Like get them into the part-time savage and all of a sudden before you know it, you know, cause I even had one time, uh, when I was coaching Rampo college, there's a three year period where I, I was in charge of the whole weight room and I was working with the sprinters and all the jumpers. And there was this sprinter, Mariah, one of my favorite athletes of all time. When she first, we first started, right? We go in the weight room the first time. I'm literally just like, she's just squatting the barbell. That's all she's doing, right? She had to walk out of the weight room. She was crying. She's like, I can't do this. This is too much. I'm stressed out, you know, whatever. Cause I was like explaining the weight program. She just started crying, you know? And I remember Calvin Hartman, who at the time, I think he was a junior or senior. So he was like deep in the rabbit hole of training. Like this guy was like, he went from 150 as a freshman in college to 185 shredded. He went from a 14,765 to a 1590, right? Like, I mean, this guy was savage. Protein powder, creatine, training, you know, everything, you know? He's just doing everything. And he literally was like, dude, waste your time with that girl she's not in it i'm like calvin like she just started like you're you know how many years in you are like you didn't show up to apex first day like this like it took a lot of time for you to grow into this this guy that you are and mariah meanwhile by senior year right one year later actually because i started coaching her junior year girl that same girl that cried with just the barbell we would do something i would call speed squats so it was a high box but like she would do uh, speed squats for time. I would give her anywhere between 15 to 25 seconds because 200 was her main event. And for 25 seconds, she would do 27 reps Jeez. of 175 pounds squat. She weighed 110 pounds. Jeez. So she'd be like, bang, 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 bang. And I'm like, this same girl that walked out of the weight room crying. And man, she would never miss a training session. She was always ready. It was, in fact, that first year, it was probably a couple weeks after the crying episode. She apparently had like had a good time that weekend and Mondays were our fast day. We do all out sprints. She threw up 
and got her ass beat by her teammate who had no business beating her. She never did that again. I mean, she really, like that girl just, she turned into a monster. She was like an amazing training athlete. And I mean, I, I couldn't be more proud at the end. You know, I mean, she PR'd and she was awesome. But it's like, it, it, like how do you get that person to there? You know, it's like the yeah. first day I was like, well, you got to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I mean, I think she would have never came back to the weight room. I would have never got her back in, you know? I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to, to Penn State. And the reason for that is, I mean, there's a whole other stories behind that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, I was an All-American in high school, jumped 14-7, placed fifth, and, you know, not good enough to go to Penn State at that time. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, good, you're an All-American. We'll give you a shot. We don't need you here. Um, and so I was lucky just to be there. And so right. the general concept of like, once you walk through at a power five conference of like, all right, you're an all American in high school. Well, heck you're going to know height the first four big tens you go to because the opening bar is a foot above your, your PR. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. How do you get that? And so I think I, I came to training after having a good time uh, once and the, the grad system was like, you're not good enough to, to show up like that. Like, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh really? And like, yeah. And just sort of that was the, and that was the, the mentality of it. And so there was the, you know, decathletes who were monsters, 7,000 point decathletes who could show up to, to training like yeah, that yeah. and kick my ass from top to bottom. And it really became apparent immediately after that, like the only time I was ever going to win a workout, I was a redshirt freshman. The only time I was ever going to win a workout ever was if the other four guys on the line had a good time that weekend. And so yeah. that was kind of like the benchmark of like, all right, if you want to pull vault high, what do you have to do to get there? And so you're 5'10", 145 pounds, and the opening bar at any meet is going to be 15'9". What, what needs to happen? Um, right. And so learning how to run fast, learning everything you could under the sun about sprint mechanics, learning everything you could under the sun about, about weight training. All right, you change your major to kinesiology to study biomechanics, to, to figure out how to yeah, move yeah. on a pole, um, and material sciences and everything like that, how poles work. And, you know, my... My track coach was a PhD in biomechanics and my pole coach was a PhD in exercise physiology. So stick my nose between their two shoulder blades for five years and come out the other end, you know, being yeah, a competitive yeah, pole vaulter at the, at the, the big 10 and the NCAA level is, you know, I can hang my hat on. I was a good, good pole vaulter in college. Well, well right. So. And I think you were in an environment where it was like sink or swim, yes. sink or swim. And, you know, and that has its merits. I explain this to, to athletes all the time. Like, listen, if you go to this college, you aren't quite good enough and you're going to have to work your ass off. Are you ready for that? This college over here, they would love to have you in their conference, in their division. They, you, you are going to be treated like royalty. So it's like, what are you looking for in the experience? You know, what do you want? So I think that's huge. But again, I think at a pole vaulting club, it's a little bit different, yes. you know? And, and I think, listen, I, I think again, meeting people where they are, well, listen, I can be very tough on athletes. Like if, like you said, you're in one of those college training groups and you're telling me you want to, you know, make it to nationals or be all American or something like that, you know, regardless of division and you got a PR foot or more and it's like, you're not busting your ass. Well, you know, that's my job also to tell you you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I think that that's the thing too. It's like, if an athlete is telling you they have this certain goal, like I was using that generic example, like I want to break my brother's school record, but then I'm not putting the work in. Well, that's my job as a coach to tell you, Hey, you're not putting the work in. Remember we talked about the plan. You have to do all this to get to that level. You know, I think the last couple of training sessions, 
that I was with you, you know, mm -hmm. six months ago, maybe, you know, you talk about the belt system often, like, well, why are we treating a black belt or a brown belt differently? And Bronco treats me like a brown belt. And <laughs> so, it, so it's interesting you, you bring that up, right? Because I think like, right, like when a white belt comes into a system, right? Like, so a new client, new person, they might not even be new to pole vault, but just new to the system. You have to be very encouraging. Like, oh, okay, nice. That's good. Okay, that was better. You know, whatever. And and I, you know, blue belt is still you know around there. You know, then there's purple. Like around purple brown belt, right? This is the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu belt system. So around purple uh, brown belt, the problem with the purple brown belt tends to be that they think they're a black belt, right? And I, I think for any coaches listening to this, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? White belt, they know they're a white belt. They're like, oh my God, they're like, they might even be shitting their pants on the runway and be like, I don't know if I understand this, you know what I mean? So you being encouraging with them is like, okay, maybe I can stay here and learn, you know? Blue belt, now, you know, they, they, they got their feet wet a little bit, they understand a little bit, and they're still like very like into listening. Right now, now you go to that, that purple brown area, you start to get the athletes that are like, I know what I'm doing. I, it's okay. I got this. <laughs> and this is where it's like, you have to remind them like, no, but you really don't. You're not a black belt yet. You don't actually understand what you're doing. And that's where it's like, I think there is a situation in a pole vaulting club where, especially if you want lifelong clients, you want people that are, are, love pole vault and they're going to be competing or training and watching people jump high, you know, um, that's where you have to be tough on them. They're like, no, I don't think you quite understand this. Like you're kind of like half there, like you're half right about everything you're saying, but I'm going to get you the other half so you can actually get to the black belt. And I think once your clients become a black belt, that's when it's like almost like peers. Yeah. Now this is where it's like, you know what? Yes. You know, it's like, well, obviously, to be a black belt, you're definitely over 21 years old. So this is where it's like after practice, maybe you can get a beer and talk about practice or talk about jumps or talk about Olympic trials yeah. and have an educated conversation about it, right? Um, that, that's where that can start to happen. But the purple-brown sometimes is like, listen, man, you're not – you don't really understand this. And it could be a breaking point. This could be for some athletes, they might leave your club. And that's okay. Maybe that's your time. You need to leave the nest see what is out there, maybe they'll come back and then they'll be ready to listen again. But it's a very, I feel like that's a critical time period is that purple, purple brown time period. It, it's, a, it's a rough time period because I mean, and so, I mean, Toby, you've obviously known me for a long time and you can have conversations with me about what I think about other coaches and, you know, can you give us an example of, of good let's or- not, Let's not name names. Okay, let's not name names. Sorry, we're not naming names. Sorry. I mean, general concept of how do we get better. I think there's plenty of haters out there. Don't need to add more. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll give an example of a style, right? So, so I went to a meet a couple weeks ago, and I'm sitting there watching these athletes that are running from a six or stuttering or mm -hmm. on a pole that's too small and listening to the corrections that the coach makes that here's all the stuff that's happening here, but the corrections are from up here. And it's like, right. Like you, you mean like it was all like runway based that was messed up, but they're commenting on like someone going piking over a bar. Like, like, like you're, you're, you see your athlete blowing through a stick and you tell them not to get on the next pole? Right. 
So, I mean, I, so I think a couple things, right? To, to be fair, right? I think there are situations where, especially if we're dealing with a high school coach, where they may not have the poles. The next pole might be 20 pounds up and they're like, uh, the last time we tried that wasn't fun, you know? (laughs) So they they might be hesitant to make that change, right? So I think that's sometimes a mistake and I I totally understand that. And so in that case, what else can the coach do? I mean, I know me last week with Brendan when he was on two, dude, 15. (laughs) Could you imagine saying someone was on too small of a pole and they're on a 15, 200? I mean, Brendan's a big kid. (laughs) A lot of fiberglass. He was at a five. And so like he was blowing through and we had the standards all the way back, 31 and a half. And I literally was like, Hey, let's go up two fingers in a half, up two more fingers in a half. I was like trying to, yeah, I'm trying to put him a little bit under just anything to slow down the pole. And he jumped 15 with 14 foot grip. But that being said, I I think then a lot of coaches, they don't know what else to do, but to comment on something in the air. I think still at that point to go back to, to kind of like your, your main thing is like, if you see runway issues, you cannot be critiquing off the ground. Yep. There's the runway happens first. Like if they're starting with a pole tip too low, if they're running backside, if they don't jump up, you cannot correct the swing. The swing or is not going to be corrected. My, my favorite is when they're taking off the wrong foot and then they get comments on the. the How do you guys feel about both feet? I think is that, I feel like that might, <laughs> it's not allowed by the way. I don't. I mean, you know, we look at it, we look at gymnasts in the tap swing. I think that might be a good way to create energy and what. Well, so, okay. So now, I mean, we shouldn't go off into pet peeves, but okay. just one of my things that's funny is like, everybody's like, oh, if they see like a girl jump and they don't have a drive, you're like, oh, it must be a gymnast. It's like, well, maybe, maybe they are a gymnast, but the reason they're not having a drive me is they don't jump up. They go short, short, and they're kind of stompy at the end. So there's no drive me again. Like to your point, it's like people are trying to address a symptom, but not the cause, right? It's like you, you have a rock in your shoe and you feel pain, but instead of removing the rock, you take Advil. Yeah. It's like, well, you might not feel the pain for a little while while that Advil is kicking in, but you should probably take the rock out of your shoe. And so it's like, that's, that's the same thing in a pole ball. It's like, you know, addressing those earlier issues in, in the jump. I, I, I think that's, that's super huge. I think this is a conversation where we get into, all right, we only see people's training at competitions. Right. We don't understand like, all right, they've been working with this kid for six months and that's actually better. Right. That's, but that, that could also be the case. Cause I, I've certainly been there. I think, so I'll tell you what I think is a, a, a bigger pet peeve. I, we shouldn't really talk about this much more because I feel like it's off topic of the podcast, but you know, it's like, I'm very big on like, whoever I am coaching, I coach. So whether that's a beginner and they're going to helicopter over six, six, or that is someone that is going to push a foot and a half above their grip and jump, you know, 15 or whatever, right? I'm coaching my athletes. What I find problematic is like, I'll see sometimes coaches like, dude, you literally ignored all your beginners. And then when your big kid jumped, you actually put a mid mark down and caught a mid, like your other kids were at fives and sixes. Like they can get a mid. You can catch a mid for them. Don't tell me that the mid is happening, whether you catch it or not. And you're not addressing. Yeah, it exists. Like takeoff happens for a beginner too, you know? So crazy. And it's like, so it's like, you're not, and why is that? And, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but it's like the ego thing. You know, it's like, you're letting your ego get in the way because you want to look good. So you only coach your, your good kid, but it's like, nah, man, like I'm going to coach everybody. So, so like what you were saying, it's like, well, yeah, Bronco just coached some, 
some guy who didn't turn at seven, six, but that kid also started jumping two weeks ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? And can barely do a pull up. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So there, there is context. So it's like, that's why it is tough sometimes where it's like, listen, like I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, you know, when I see stuff at meets, but yeah, sometimes there's crazy stuff. Um, so, I mean, I feel like this podcast episode is super long and we need to get dinner. I'm very hungry and I want to treat these guys to dinner. So, yeah, I say one thing. You could say, okay, uh, two things. I assume Sean Francis is going to see this at one point. Um, Sean Francis and I had a conversation a handful of years ago about uh, a sponsorship with a, with a weird company that I was working for. And I got him through the door and then it fell apart. And I, I, I'm, I'm vitally and horribly embarrassed about that, Sean. So, if you. Send him your thesis. Also. I also sent you my, my thesis uh, from, from grad school about relationship athletics and extension philosophy, how it relates to, to athletics. Talked about play. Yeah, talking about play. Um, Sean, I'm a truly, I truly am embarrassed about that. So if you see that, that's, you see this, that's what it is. Someone sent us to Sean, just letting you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, it's been on my mind for a couple I'll of years. I'll probably clip this and send <laughs> it to Sean yeah. personally. Um, I'm sure he understands. I hope so. Jeez. He's a forgiving guy. Sean's a nice guy. Love you, Sean. Um, so, I mean, again, I, I want to thank you guys for being on the podcast. Also, I'm so thankful that you guys wanted to do this together. Um, I look forward to the future. You know, this has been a blast so far. Um, and for everybody watching or listening again, please subscribe to us on YouTube or iTunes. You can check us out on the real apex vaulting, uh, on Instagram or Apex Vaulting, I think it's just LI. LI. Apex Vaulting LI on Instagram for the Long Island Instagram. Um, it's also Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have any comments or questions, please email us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Uh, and again, share the podcast. If you enjoyed it, share it with your friends. Let them know about this awesome stuff. Toby is a PhD in sport and exercise psychology. We didn't talk about that. Uh, she's a, a doctor and in social work and social work. And so she's really good at getting, you know, this portion of the brain to Which work. Which is why I'm also good at getting kids through the door. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm a master's in education, specializing in advanced level coaching. And we got a stud right here. So like three of us, bang, 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 <laughs> apex studs. Yeah. They well, hate us because they hate us. Oh wait, yeah. I have that on my back. Oh no. So good. It's almost not fair. Yeah. Awesome. So. Yeah. All right, well, Cheers. see you guys next time. I think this was episode 99. Oh. All right.